0: Welcome to Business and Investing with Grant and Charlie, where we are enhancing your complete set of skills to build wealth inside and outside your business. Charlie, I'm going to have to say one day, I'm going to have to say that as fast as I possibly can and just see if people complain because they're two times listening to speeds too fast.
1: I thought you were doing that already. You talk really <laughs> fast. I
0: feel like I feel could like I could m M&M this thing. I reckon I could just go, go crazy. And speaking of which, that is one of the hard skills that I've mastered to which one of the hard skills that you have mastered is writing emails and sending them out. I'll put it out there. Congrats. Well done. That was a hard skill, actually. Totally. And if you're sitting there going, Grant, I have no idea. I've never heard you speak about newsletters or anything like that. Let me enlighten you. Business and Investing has got a newsletter. I probably should mention it more than I do. Head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter and you can have an appreciation for Charlie's hard skill that he has learned in order to send those emails out. Good setup. Perfect. Let's cue this glamour.
1: It's Charlie here from Business and Investing, and I need to let you know that Grant, myself and the Business and Investing team are in no way, shape or form qualified to give you personal or specific financial advice. We strongly encourage you seek out and use professionals when you are making investment decisions or comparing investment products. <laughs> All right, Grant, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about hard skills that will pay you forever. As they say, skills pay the bills. Now, I wanted to be upfront on this. I actually caught this, like I'll call it, topic on another YouTube
0: channel. Just wait one second. Ain't no one sitting there saying skills pay the bills. (laughs) They do. Alex R. says it all the time. (laughs) Okay, I'll take it. I'll allow it. I'll
1: allow it. Right. Just for anyone out there, if you have heard skills pay the bills, <laughs> just let, let Charlie know in the email. Just grants under me. a rock somewhere on this <laughs> one.
0: <laughs> okay, never heard of it. Yes, so you How were you listening to another podcast. Have you heard of coffee? Like that's a thing too. No, it's it. Yeah, I'm. I'm under my rock,
1: man. So for whatever reason, you know, like sometimes YouTube takes you on weird paths, right? Yeah, so this video got recommended to me and I was like, you know, this is really interesting. It was actually about like a career advancement. And I'm like, surely YouTube knows I'm not employed, but we'll leave that where it is. It's still a great topic. And as I went through this video, I'm like, we could totally remake this on our podcast because I'm of the belief, you don't have to believe this, but there are certain skills you can learn when it comes to business and investing that one, are evergreen, two, are hard-
0: and three, they absolutely pay you forever
1: and are worth it. Totally.
0: totally. When we were prepping for this episode, I was, you know there's times when you're very surprised only to realize and go, why was I even surprised at that? Where we had both gone and independently built out lists and then we put them together and they were almost identical. <laughs> yeah, that was actually a little bit creepy. I'm not going to lie. It's like, I think there was one that was different between both of our lists. And I'm like, this is amazing. Do you know what came to mind for me? What? Someone could
1: level up significantly in business and investing, maybe some other areas of their life as well. If they used this list we've got together here, did some sort of assessment and graded themselves and then put in a plan to improve at each of them across the year. This might actually be the list of things you need to level up in and continue to level up in. I must say I'm not done on these. I don't think you are either. Nope. To be like driving their own progress. So interesting insight.
0: I dig it. I uh, I learned something in marketing and so i was going to say this. You'll be surprised at the very last one. So be sure that you get to the end of the episode to get the very last one because it will surprise and shock you.
1: I don't even know what to say. That. <laughs> I coffee nearly came out of my nose then. <laughs> I saw it on a YouTube channel. I thought I did it. Do you know what this the league? irony is? I don't think marketing is actually on this No, list.
0: it's not. <laughs> Tell us the skill
1: <laughs> I'm not trying to improve on. All right, Grant, kick this one off. And to give it some context, the way we've constructed this list is actually the ones that have been the biggest impacts on ourselves,
0: where we've had the most, I suppose we'll call personal growth here. So lay it down, brother. Awesome. Uh, so one of the most important ones, especially business owner lens, as well as like an investor lens, is the power of delegation. Uh, If you can't actually get other people to do the things that they need to do in order for your business to grow or your investments to grow or anything like that, your probability of success to scale beyond yourself is fuck all to none. (laughs) (laughs) I actually have solved this. You ready? Go. Share trading. Yeah, but here's why I said the scalability outside of yourself. So if you're a share trader, then obviously you'd scale. Like yeah, that's because yourself. you don't need more than yourself, right? That, <laughs> yeah, that's totally. the
1: only reason that would work. But I would say that comes with its own challenges.
0: Well, you have a capped potential as opposed to just putting a zero at the end of every trade <laughs> just to try to scale it up. I love this point. I think it is such a critical one.
1: And how many business owners out there right now do you think this is actually
0: the one holding them back? <laughs> a lot. And it's it's interesting because I think as though, especially as business owners, our businesses are like our babies, like our pets, like our business is our most beautiful thing in our life. There's no one can ever say anything bad about it, which means that we perceive ourselves as the one being able to do the greatest work, which means that everybody else will just not do it as great. However, that is more your limitation around your ability to delegate. Like even also. Is- Potentially they've hired poorly. Completely, which again, I would put under the banner of delegation because if you hire poorly, then delegation is screwed anyway. And so I I layer this down as a mandatory skill no matter what because it aligns to like leadership as well. Like if you can't get someone else to do the thing that's actually going to help you move your business forward. So if I can't get you to help me with sales, Charlie, or you to take accountability for for sales and for me to follow up that you have done the thing, I'm never going to get the sales that I need in my business. Same with delivery people. If I can't get them to deliver the product or service that I've sold, then I'm never going to be able to be successful as a business owner. And then if I keep trying to put the monkeys on my back of going, no, Charlie, I'll do the bookkeeping. No, Charlie, I'll do all the QA across everything that you ever produce. I'm never going to be able to scale outside of like a one-man show.
1: There's a lot of lays to this. and I'd love to cover a few. Uh, one is I think delegation doesn't just apply in business, it applies in all areas Mm -hmm. of life, right? And it's like you can actually put self-imposed limits on yourself by not delegating. But like even delegating uh, on the investing side of things to your property managers, to your buyer's agent, like there's so many worlds. On the business front though, and this is the one I will mention, I often see people struggle with delegation for this reason, poor pricing, They've never had enough margin in their business or created a business model that yep. was profitable enough where they can actually hire the people to delegate to that could do things well. So then their whole experience with delegation is, well, they basically hired poor quality people attempting to offload things and it just doesn't go well. And then they're like, oh, it doesn't work. See, I've got to do everything.
0: <laughs> You're like, they're so symptomatic of the situation you've put yourself in. I find delegation is, to your point, a complete TP. Like it leans on so many other things, and so many other things lean on it in order to be successful. Which is why it's a skill. Like to to help articulate this, every time that I asked someone to do something and the output that I received was different from what I requested, it was a, a point for me to evaluate my inability to delegate. It means, yeah, you know? yeah. I want to jump in here because I want
1: to. Um, I thought I was good at this, and then I met you. <laughs> So probably one of the most humbling experiences I've ever had is when you came on board to work with me on uh, Media. I thought I was good at operations. I thought I was good at delegation and I got schooled, absolutely schooled. Now, I don't think I'm terrible at these things, but you've taken it to another level. The question I have, because I don't think anyone's going to doubt this is an amazing skill, right? And a very important one that will pay you forever, literally, like could be the difference. Where and how
0: did you get good at this? <laughs> and uh, funnily enough, it's something I am continuing to improve on. Uh, I think the the first thing that I acknowledged at a very young business owner age was that every problem in my business was from myself, and so any time that I delegated and didn't get what I wanted, it was not because of the individuals, because of me. It was always. Because of me. And you know what? Every time I looked back at it, I, I, I could have thrown a reason as to why the employee that I was working with or the contractor I was working with, they were the problem. They were the fault. Can't say that, Grant. It is their fault. There's a lot of business
1: owners out there that might have <laughs> that to actually, you know, it won't be their best day hearing this episode if they can't blame their staff for
0: something. <laughs> no. And so I completely overcorrected. So I literally wore everything to myself, rightly or wrongly. So that was like the step one was just all of my problems are a result of me and what I did to which then I I actually went on a bit of a war path to actually understand how like in the world Charlie asked this as a question what organization do you think articulates uh, the objective of something like someone doing a task the best like if you were to think about every business every organization in the world who do you think it does better than anybody else I have to say McDonald's comes to mind for me that is fair especially getting 16 year olds to flip burgers mine was military because you got to remember, these guys are going shortwave radio, need to articulate the bombing of a particular thing or infiltration of a particular thing in a very short, concise message. Do you know
1: what? High stakes as well, right? Completely. It's like, you a know, you screw system. up a McDonald's order, not the end of the world. I will say the idea of uh, getting something repeatable all over the world done by 16-year-olds would be evidence of good delegation and system. Completely. Military, on the other hand, let's say you've got to break someone out of a rogue country and – communicate well through that and have everyone do their
0: task because the risk tolerance is zero. That's someone's life. Totally. Yeah, I massive. Had, and I had a, <laughs> I've had been very fortunate. One of my business partners was an ex-SAS sniper. And so I talked to him about this challenge. And this was this is going back like seven years ago, I reckon, when I had this conversation with him. And I said, like, how did the military do it? And he's like this one framework. And I'm, I'll share it very quickly here. Uh, and it's called Seaport. And I've, just, I've never been able to really see anyone talking about it. And it stands for context, purpose, output, resources, and time. It's like if you can articulate the context of why something's important, the purpose as to what it actually does, the outputs of what you're expecting. So like are you looking for a website, a spreadsheet, or whatever? The resources, like, hey, Charlie, you've got these people to work with or it's just yourself, and the time, which is you got 24 hours or you got four hours or you got a week. It's like no one can misconstrued what they're trying to achieve and how they're trying to do it. And it's exactly what the military does. They're like all of those are key elements in order for someone to understand the, the mission they're on, the reason why they need to do it and how they need to do the thing, which is why like, we have so many examples, we have so many templates, we have hard deadlines, we've got context on everything like this is important to this funnel because they need leads for this thing. That was it. That was It all came back to the military.
1: Yeah, I definitely wasn't doing that. <laughs> Then there's more layers to it. Like it's just, it gets yeah, so deep. But well, we're only talking about it really on the business front here and the idea of getting someone to do something in business. Right. This again could apply to investing, as we've spoken about, your personal life, working with your partner if there's delegation of things back and forth. Yeah. This is a super skill if you get great at this. I might even say it's the
0: meta skill on this list. It's a very good one, cool anyway. It's very good to start off with. And so I, hence why I'm like, if you can delegate well, like and even think about your house. Like if you got a cleaner coming over, it's like, well, why do you need the oven to be cleaned so well? <laughs> like why does that matter to you? It's like, well, my, my wife cares about making the Sunday roast. Like it's not just business. It's not just investing. It's like everything. Like asking your wife or your husband to do something. Anyway, I'm off my soapbox. Good to know. Your your point. Yeah, my number one is actually self-management. Yeah. i put it out there, dude. You, Oogway. from from Kung Fu Panda dude, you have gone next level on this shit. And I'm like, I'm so glad you're bringing it up.
1: I appreciate that. It's something I have been working on because, uh, and just for character reference there, Grant and I have been uh, re-watching Kung Fu Panda. And it has been (laughs) suggested by some of our team that I am Uguay and Grant is Shifu. So if you have seen the, if you grew up on that and you did see it, You might have a little
0: chuckle, but um, we're kind of working with that. The worst thing is the more I get reminded of it, the more I look at you and me and start recognizing the character traits, like our facial traits that are kind of similar to those two
1: characters. (laughs) Even the balding thing. I'm like, this
0: is getting out of hand. This is
1: trash. But I'm fine. Oogway is now my spirit animal. The Shifu I'm in. There's, again, layers to this one here, but I'll give the reference point is that if if you've, let's say – haven't managed yourself well, and then you're showing up in business, the likelihood that you solve problems well, delegate well, do anything well is low. So case in point, you went out, had a massive night of drinking, and you you don't follow any uh, type of thing, and you rock up to work the next day or to business. Come on, what's the chances you do well? Very slim. Yeah, conversely, if you manage your calendar well, get a good night's rest, look after your health and everything, and you rock up and you're in the zone... How did your day go? Extremely well. Yeah. Now, I would argue that you could have the exact same day, but how you show up and how you're prepared for that day leads to very, very different outputs. Mm -hmm. So I look at that and go that self-management becomes so critical here. And people have evidence of this. And like maybe you've had a, a meeting that went terribly and then you dragged it into the next meeting. Maybe you had a meeting that went well. Have you ever like closed a big deal? being on such a high that
0: it's like for the rest of the day you had the Midas touch. Yeah, and it's infectious that everyone around you just starts doing the things you want them to do, yeah. Completely.
1: I am of the view that instead of letting that happen by chance, so instead of letting external environments, external things dictate your state, your beliefs, your time management, is that you take control of it. And whether this is through good routines or morning routines and habits, whether this is through mindfulness whether this is just through intention, setting yourself up and managing yourself well, I think is one of the superpowers that
0: comes to hard skills that'll pay you forever. Do you think that one of the major ways that people will see that they aren't controlling their state very well? is if they're getting distracted or like procrastinating or to your example of like if they've had a bad situation, they just push that into every other meeting, every other part of their life and all those kind of things or is there more to it?
1: I'll link link this to personal experience. I think anyone that's good at something was not good at something uh, beforehand. So for someone to reference the idea that I'm Uguay today, I actually very, I take that compliment like really to heart because I was practically the opposite of that. So why did I work so much on self-management and state management and why is that something I've put in a lot of effort into in the last or recent years, I'll say. It's been a while now. is because I started to do the math on how much it was costing me. I was see I was doing damage. and I'll, I'll give you some examples here. Is If you were someone that was a bit of a hothead, and I definitely was right? when I was running the ad agency, I had good team members quit because mm. when they made a mistake, I'd flip a table. Not literally, but you get the idea. So it's like who wants tough. to work with that guy? Yeah. And do you know what, if something went wrong in business is I would bitch and moan and complain and and a whole bunch of things. And It's like, well, who wants to work with that guy? Well, I can only imagine how much of my team wanted to hang around it. So just in that example there, you can see how much damage it would do. And <laughs> I looked at that and said that not managing myself well has got a huge cost. Yeah. So that's where the initial pain kind of came from. And then we lead that into today where it's like, Isn't it funny that when I go and do more challenging things, but I'm in a good, I've self managed myself, I can influence things very differently. Yeah. But if I want my business to run a certain way, like this plays such a massive role.
0: I have had this situation where I actually overstate managed, and I just and I feel like there's this this middle ground. And so, what am I saying here? I had such a Zen state where people would make mistakes and things wouldn't get done, et cetera, that I would just accept it. So there has to be like this middle ground. (laughs) Can I unpack that quickly? Let's do it.
1: But I think when it comes to self management, right, I don't want this to be down to it's like, oh, doing meditation and working out and it's like a woo woo thing. That's part of it. Don't get me wrong. But good self management comes into other things as well. And I'm going to talk about this. It's like, hey, managing your calendar well. time management. Your time management is part of self-management. right It's like sleep, getting enough sleep that alone could be the difference between you doing well and not well in business. food. what are you food your diet. right uh, your net uh, not your network sorry your environment. right put yourself into a place where you can perform at your best. right I'll give you an example right go to a try and in our world if you work online, work from a place that's got crappy internet on a poor computer
0: can you still control your state in those scenario <laughs> did i that's that all gloves are off all bets are off in that situation i'm a, i've become a monster please once you have a toddler
1: you can stay <laughs> managing. poor internet's easy for me now no i'm
0: still at that stage i'm at that that's stupid but i can care because self this sort of concept of self management is it's involved in everything in life but it it is very reliant on everything else as well. Like if you could eat very healthy. You could have the greatest environment. But if you had like shit time management, shit sleep, it's it's ruined. Like it's almost like all of the components have to be ticked in order for you to show up and be appropriate and, and do the thing necessary. But there's so many layers to it as well that this is almost a, a game that I don't think that you will ever feel as though you've perfected, Charlie. Or do you feel like you've perfected it now?
1: I by no means think I've perfected it, but I would just let people know that this has made a really big impact here. It continues to pay me very well. Like the results from working on self-management as a whole have financial impacts in a big way,
0: Mm.
1: have business impacts in a big way, have happiness impacts in a big way. Relationship impacts. Relationship impacts, like managing yourself well and performing well. And that's what this is really about. Self-management leads to better performance of you. Is one of the most critical skills
0: that comes to business and life. And it really, it really underpins the concept of a hard skill. <laughs> like that is because <clears throat> you're not born at like it. Like you're not born to be able to manage your state. Like and people don't teach it. You don't get it at school. You don't get it from your family typically. Yes, there might be one or two. But like this is a skill you have to work on. Everyone's different. Everyone's had different things pop up in their life that they've had to interpret different ways. Like,
1: should we go into a bit of the how quickly?
0: I'd love to. Okay, so one of the things
1: that definitely helped me is modeling. So if there's something you're looking to achieve is to model the people that have done it. So if you're someone right now that isn't getting the results you you, uh, want, this could be very much an area to look into is what are the routines, behaviors, and habits look like of the person who's uh, doing it. So I would say that's a really good starting point is to find the people who have the result, model their management and self-management. How do they run their calendar? How do they do all these things and then tweak to suit? Yep. Right, Because some things are going to work for you that might be a little bit different to someone else based on per- personal circumstance, skills and ability and all the rest of it. So like for some people, like uh, for example, meditation has been a game changer for them. They meditate before they come into work or big meetings and they crush. right? For others and myself is in this cat- category, that hasn't necessarily been the game changer for me. Yep. So I look at it and go like find your flavor within it, but self-management
0: still reigns true. And I like the modeling thing. Like I like Warren Buffett as an example, as an investor, but I hate the fact that he drinks Coke and I probably wouldn't drive the car that he's driving and all these kind of things. Like it's – so it's being able to take components out of the different people, right? Like I want his ability to assess an investment. I don't want – and I definitely don't want to take life advice of what I should consume from him. I will we'll give one
1: last point before we move along this. Um, I, I think people take self-management too far and they end up in the David Goggins camp. <laughs> Right, Expand. It's like, yeah. Well, they think that self-management is like, I suppose, like beating yourself into the most ridiculous routines everywhere. It's like a mind over muscle type thing. And for some people, they definitely need a bit of that. They're a bit too loosey-goosey. Some structure and routine would benefit them massively. But you can overstructure and over where it's like you're living such a disciplined life and just beating yourself so uh, so far down that you're actually not managing yourself well. Yeah. So <laughs> the aim isn't to make you a marathon runner, you know, every day before you come to the office.
0: Oh, I had two points like that. I remember this thing with David Goggins where he's like, I don't wear headphones at the gym because when I'm out in the real world and if I have a scenario, I'm not going to have headphones. And I'm sitting there going, Every scenario I will be in for the rest of my life, I'll have ability to grab headphones, man. Like, like I'm not going to war with a, with no one. <laughs> I'll sing if I have
1: to. Yeah, like, oh, That's where I'm, at. <laughs> I'm I'm in. you, you can th- definitely go too far. People go too far with these routines and things as well. But totally. I and, the,
0: and then the second thing that I will say to this as well, um, on overdoing the routine, uh, I was talking to a CEO of a sales organization that we both know uh, quite a while ago about how he would look at like salespeople's calendar and that would have two and a half hours of like personal development before they start their day. And like just overcooking, like you got meditation, you got gratitude, you got yoga, you like literally just stacking this PD to delay the actual thing that's going to get them the results. So there is a fine balance of not enough versus too much. Um, and I think it's it's person by person.
1: Agreed. Let's get to the next skill. What do you got?
0: All right. My second one is, and <laughs> you're not going to be surprised about this one, Charlie, uh, problem solving. And more deeply to this, being able to analyze and understand that a problem has occurred, being able to do a root cause analysis on a problem, and then actually being able to solve the darn problem. How upsetting is it when you have something happen, then you go
1: use all this time, money, energy to solve the problem,
0: only to realize you solved the wrong problem? (laughs) Was that like a Thomas Edison reference of like making the light bulb a thousand times?
1: <laughs> I, I give you an example where right? I once upon a time, I was like, I had an uh, advertising account that wasn't working and I spent all this time like, oh, I'm going to try this targeting, going to try this ad, you know, and eventually like I'm spending all this off, all this energy and that's like, oh, hang on. People just don't want what you're trying to sell here. You try to force something down someone's throat that just not Yeah, it's like, it. it doesn't matter <laughs> what I do. It doesn't matter how much energy I put into reworking the copy, the image. It's like because that's what I thought the problem was. Yeah. I thought it was the ad. But it's like, no, no, no. It's like if you just generally have something people don't want,
0: not going to work. Dude, we should totally do an episode walking through like theory of constraints and like recourse analysis. Oh, my gosh. Uh, But this is the exact point of people look at a a problem typically. I'm going to generalize on this statement. No, don't
1: generalize. Make it about you. (sighs) Okay. So... (laughs)
0: Let's just reopen some wounds here. Absolutely. That's what people come and listen to it for. They don't want to hear
1: us preach. They want to hear us like defecate on ourselves. Do
0: this. this I'll get the therapy pillow out. Just here we go. Um, Okay. So when I was running a product team, so we had a product development team of about 12 people uh, in Melbourne. One of the big things that I would look at is like, well, why is the usage of an application not increasing? Which at the time I had a software as a service application. And the problem is, well, how do you increase the usage of the application? How do you get more people to log in, Charlie? And how do you do more of things? And when you build that out, usually you'll go, oh, there's two, three ideas. And you just get around and around, write it on the whiteboard and you pick from them and you kind of go from it, only to realize that most of the time, whatever you picked was based on your personal bias and not actually... Factor. absolutely that and that is the danger the personal bias and so you are sitting there you're like does everyone else think this if we did this is going to work you're like, yeah let's do that only because all the devs wanted to build that new thing as opposed to like fixing up this old code that was actually really slow and so was like yeah let's do that thing was like come back it was like cool we didn't actually fix the problem um and so the the challenge on that is going okay well how do you extract out all of the potential solutions to a problem and identify the first kick in a hose as opposed to every other kink that you actually need to fix that will unlock majority of it. And so for me, as I went through doing a lot of that problem solving, it was like, how do I just remove the variables, which is my personal bias, as well as the confirmation bias of the people around me who just want to build what they want to build and just go to the people who are actually witnessing the problem and just say like, this is a problem. Like what, how would you solve it? What would your approach be collate on the information and actually go from there, which is the root cause analysis um, when you're going with that. Uh, and then if you've never done a root cause analysis, imagine, Charlie, you're a client of mine in the marketing world. And you're like, hey, Grant, why are the leads not coming through, to use your example before? And I'm like, oh, it's like targeting and maybe it's the messaging and stuff like that. And then I actually start talking to you about like, well, tell me about the leads you did get. And like, well, they weren't good. And the root cause analysis is literally being a kid of asking why five times. Why weren't the leads good, Charlie? Oh, they just didn't want to buy this thing. Why didn't they want to buy this thing? Oh, they didn't have enough money and it was kind of irrelevant. Why, wait, why did they not have enough money? Oh, they just weren't the right target. And then we start getting to the actual problem. And then we can start solving the problem. Do you know
1: what helped me the most on this one? Like when you think about it, problem solving is most of what we do in life. Right, so essentially that's all we're doing is trying to solve problems. So to develop this as a skill, again, just feels like such a powerful thing. If you're better at solving problems than other people, you stand to do pretty well in life, I think. But I think
0: I think the the difficult part with problem solving is most people think of it as a tick in a box. It's like I can see the problem because my sales are down. And so now I know the solutions are spend more money on advertising, do another advertising channel, as opposed to actually really trying to understand why there's the problem.
1: That was the changer for me. So when I read Keith Cunningham's book and they go through the notion of thinking time, the thing that became a huge amount of awareness for myself, what's happening is a problem occurs and I'm just trying to find solutions. I'm spending very little time understanding the problem. And your why framework is a really powerful one. I think also data collection can be a really powerful one. I also think speaking to other people that have potentially dealt with this problem can be another really powerful one of finding that root cause analysis. But I would suggest that if you spend way more time understanding the problem, when you come up with solutions, the likelihood of them working goes through the roof. Where the reverse of that is if you just knee-jerk react, here's my potential solutions.
0: Yeah. Dangerous. As, as I continue to mature like a nice red wine in my business and investing in journey, I find myself spending more time understanding problems and the potential solutions to them where I can solve multiple problems at one time. And this is why I like the concept of thinking time. So important is like, I might not be having a problem now. I might be having a problem in two months. Which How do you feel about the notion of like fail fast then and fail quickly when it comes into that? So I, I think that every problem is different sizing, right? So if you're, if you're in the kitchen and you've cut yourself on a knife, well, you're going to have to fucking stop the bleeding and then like maybe cover it up. So it, like it's actually fixed and then move the knife so it doesn't happen again, right? So there are situations where you just have to make a decision right then and there. Right, stop, stop the hemorrhage. Completely. And those situations are just like, that's immediate problem solving. Like you just need to know enough about the thing in order to solve the problem. But there are some other problems like imagine our business and we use an example in, in the web design episode that we did around how do you get from 10000 to $50,000 monthly recurring revenue. Now that's just a problem. And so now you need to un analyze and actually understand what is stopping you growing there. So I'm not cut by a knife and I'm not bleeding out. So I'm not going for like these immediate fixes. Now I can stop and I can think about it and I'm really trying to understand it. So it's almost like if you were to paint a decision tree, you just have to split it out. It's like, is this immediate is is my tap leaking and flooding my kitchen? Yes, we'll fix the darn thing. Is this uh, you know what, no one's gonna die? The business is still going to survive, but I need to continue to improve on top of it in order to scale or do something better or to better our service delivery because everyone's complaining about it. Awesome. Now I can spend some time thinking about it and implementing it. Like that would almost be the immediate split.
1: No, I dig it. I dig it a big way.
0: And Great. I don't think it's something you can perfect. I think that you'll get to 100 still going, oh, I wish I knew more about how to solve problems. So, it's Do a you think anything skill. on our list is actually completable? I'm going to keep validating as we go until I go, oh, no, there is something that you can get to where you just know the thing and you don't. No, I'm looking at it now. I don't think there is. I don't think there is, but I'm I'm going to keep doing it. What would your next one?
1: Uh, Next one on my list, again, one that has benefited me massively, networking.
0: You do this better than anyone. All right, go deeper.
1: If you took two business owners and one of them had a really good network and the other one had no network... It's very obvious to see the one with the good network is likely to be more successful for just so many reasons, whether it's access to people that have done the thing so you can model results or copy, um, whether it's access to clients, right? It might be Your network might be your acquisition path, Yep. right? There's so many variations on where network has value. And I know I'm talking about that purely from the point of view of what you get out of it. Of course, you would contribute to a network as well if you wanted to get the real value. But I look at it and go, that
0: skill alone can be the difference maker in a business. It is the difference between feast and famine. I, I, know, I know business owners and CEOs who their network has literally been the thing that supports the entire business. And without that network, the business would not exist at all. I know people that have a
1: worse product than other products, but their product does better because of the relationships
0: they have. Yeah. And access they have to markets. The part of me that like really appreciates a good product and service delivery hates that that is facts. <laughs> like this shouldn't, the logic suggests that this shouldn't be so, like it should be the, the company with the best product and the best service that provides the best output should be the one that wins. And it's just never. It never happens. And it's outrageous, but it's true. So
1: networking is a skill as well as an activity as many things are on the list itself. So when it comes to networking, and I'll just share the things that have worked for me. There's some great books like the one I'd recommend is like How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yeah, Carnegie. Okay, yeah, and a lot of the stuff in that book is obvious. But again, I think it'd be really powerful in just bringing awareness to the idea of what you could potentially work on to be within a network. Yeah. All right. The second part of that is if you really wanted to do better at networking, assign more time to it. I think this is really underdone by a lot of people. I think by the time uh, this episode comes out, our networking episode should be out as well. It is. So if you do want to improve some networking skills, I think I've left some really good nuggets within that. But the third part of it is like, all right, so you're working on the skills of, you know, networking itself, you potentially putting more time into it. But the third facet here is just to pay to get into those premium groups. If you nail those three, I think it will have an exponential impact on many businesses.
0: So – I. I like this. I was at at a track day yesterday with guys who were racing like Aston Martins and Porsche 911s and stuff like that. And you'd never guess what, Charlie? They all have businesses. (laughs) It's like, like you, you, and we play golf. And surprise, surprise, a lot of the guys that tee off during the week, what do they do, Charlie? Have businesses. Have businesses. It's it's really interesting that uh, a lot of these situations, like you, almost need to, your point, pay to play in order to get access to the people that are doing the thing that you want to try and do.
1: I wonder if a lot of people have picked up on the idea that there might be a hidden agenda to our golfing careers. Oh, no. Did I? I think I spilled the beans. Oh, no. I didn't know at all how many property developers hang around a certain golf club.
0: Dude, it wasn't. We, we ran into the guy that's like, yeah, my parents came over, got a whole heap of land and then developed it. And I'm like, yep, this is where we need to be, Charlie. But I think that example is one of the best things about networking because it's not always the, I don't know, I don't say this as a bad point. It's not always like the the free meetups from meetup.com or like the b or anything like that. I think there are a time and a place when they're valuable and relevant and things like that. But having a network that can support you through your problems, having a network that you can potentially sell to, etc., are not always going to be in those spots. They're not always going to be accessible via $0. Like they are usually behind a paywall for a reason because they're trying to filter out the people that shouldn't be there. And the ones that are paying to be there are the ones that you probably want to be networking with because they can actually help you grow. And they also know that you've gone through the same filter that they have, which means they're so much more open to being able to absorb ideas from yourself as well. Networking is, I don't think, coming back to that point, I'm okay at networking. Um, I'm very good at making friends. Okay at networking and turning it into a commercial side I will say one thing that I know people who have got an incredible network that is non-commercial in the sense where they don't ever swap money between them. Right. Well,
1: let's go there. All right. So on the subject of networking, which I would say I'm fairly good at, right? So this comes from experience and I've got some good results from. The things I would see or that I've experienced that can be challenging to work with is like in different, different seasons of your business, you need to change your network. Yep. Too many people or myself, this is really what I'm talking about here is like, I thought I'd build a network and it would just stay the same. But the reality is that people within your network are going to change businesses and maybe there's no value in that relationship anymore or their goals change, you're doing different things or your goals change and now you're doing different things, right? Or you're at a new level in this and you're going to require people. So think of a network like a garden. This is something you're going to maintain. Maybe some plants are too big for this now and you're going to move them on. Yep. Maybe you want to, br- you've got more land and you need more plants. So network is an evolvement that comes through. And one of the most challenging parts of that is there's going to be people you like. They're good people, but they're not good for your network anymore. Yeah. So for a lot of people that end up with these networks that are non-commercial, it comes from there.
0: Right. It isn't isn't that interesting because you you want to do well by people even though they're the ones holding you back and it's
1: and that's very difficult it's because when two people like each other that's a very difficult thing to like cut ties mm. but at the same time there's only so much room in a network you don't get unlimited room for it the other part of it is is i've noticed how many people are confronted by the or the idea of selling to people in their network and no like right selling in your network makes you at a I don't know, some people feel gross about it. I personally don't, right, because I think if I've got something that can add value to them and they've got something that could add value to me,
0: we should buy
1: from each other. Keyword buy. like That contra stuff is more your self-worth coming through.
0: You know what's really interesting? I've spoken to a couple of people about this concept and idea. If you actually dig deeper, one of the biggest concerns they have is that they're going to fuck up delivery. Completely. And so it's like, well, I'm not going to sell somebody because I'm worried that I won't be able to deliver the thing and we won't be friends anymore. I'm like, so you value the friendship more than the business success? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, if you walk into How about M- fix the real problem? Totally. Make a want- good product. <laughs> but the, And that was the thing. But it's like it's the, the avoidance of pain to someone they like is greater than the abundance of receiving monetary value. And that's fascinating to me.
1: It's incredibly fascinating. Can I go one further? Let's
0: do it. We're on a all roll now. Right.
1: All right. So the idea being in networking is that again, what I've just mentioned here is a lot of people get nervous about selling, or they're concerned their product or service isn't good enough, so they won't sell because it'll do damage to the network. The other one is is like everyone's waiting for everyone else to make a move. <laughs> so okay. I've like so, they're all like, oh no, someone's going to ask me, and then I'll, then I'll sell my stuff. Like that's how it's going to work. I'm like, no,
0: it's not at all. You've got to be the leader. It's like the, the girls that go out to the clubs waiting for the guys to approach them, and then they get disappointed that no guys have approached them. It's like, well, how do you approach?
1: None. Well, Yeah, everyone wants to dance, but no one's asking anyone else to dance. I'm like, what a shocker, no one got to dance then.
0: Yeah, and then everyone's walking away going, I should have, how many guys? I should have gone and talked or danced to that girl. And you're like, yeah, but you didn't. Like, <laughs> So you're walking away, it'd be handed. Yeah, I, yeah. I definitely recommend people to go and listen to that networking episode. It was amazing. Okay. Well, I'm going to pull this one up here. We're halfway through our list. I think we're going to have to do this
1: in two parts because I have be. a lot to say about the other points on this list. Has to How be. do you feel about that?
0: I completely concur. I completely concur. I just wanted to say thank you very much for joining us. And if you do- want to get, wait. You're welcome. No, yeah, I've been <laughs> waiting for you to say this for so long. And if you're sitting there going, I'm actually really curious as to what your next points are. Me too. So- jump over to the email list or the newsletter. Head over to businessandinvesting.com forward slash newsletter. Put in your name and email and we, I personally will email you and just let you know when the next episode drops. I just might put it under the persona of Charlie Bell. Just saying. Hashtag just saying. Thank you for joining us and we'll catch you on the next episode of Business and Investing.